0: of the Pro tempest podcast i am your host jason harvey and uh today um i kind of touched on it uh, a little bit last week with uh, my brother dustin and um uh this week we're gonna go over um one of my ancestors uh sarah ann davis was actually accused of being a witch um she was one of the um she was one of the, um, colonials that had settled in, um, uh, I guess her family settled in, uh, Salem, Salem, Massachusetts. And, uh, so I just wanted to just thought I'd do an episode about that. Um, and the lineage, uh, hang on, let me, so let me pull it up here. So the lineage is, um, So it follows from my mother, um, my mother's side, then her father, Coy Vernon Brannon, his father, James Lee Brannon, and then his father, Solomon Brannon, then his father, John Brannon, and then his uh, mother, Rebecca Cole, and uh, her father, Samuel Cole, and then his father, Samuel Cole, and let's go to... um, so it would be his mother, Samuel Cole's mother, Sarah Ann Davis. So if we click on her profile, I'm in Ancestry right now. So if you hear little mouse clicks, that's what I'm doing. Um, let's see. There's some stories that I saved. Do, do, do. Let's go to Biographical Data. So there's just like a small little paragraph that was written up. Um, Sarah Davis Cole, um, born in 1651. Uh, Sarah was born to George and Sarah Clark Davis on October 1st, 1651, in Reading, Massachusetts. She went on to marry Abraham Cole, a tailor of Salem, and the couple would have seven children. Gee, seven children. During the witch hysteria, a warrant was issued for Sarah's arrest, as well as Hannah Carroll, on September 10, 1692. Both were accused of having afflicted torture and torment of William Bragg, the son of uh, Henry Bragg. Uh, she was indicted and imprisoned. Her husband uh, was able to bail her out on January 14, 1693, and on February first. Uh, 1693, she was acquitted of all charges. She probably died in Salem, Massachusetts. So, yeah, uh, apparently my ancestor was accused of being a witch. Um, let's see, and there, there's another little write-up. Um, actually, I think that, yeah, there's nothing really new that I can get out of that. Um, do, 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 and I think that's all I have saved on there. However, on history.com, they have a whole, uh, just like a brief write-up of, um, of, uh, the Salem witch trials. So, um, this is just the, uh, the, the context, I guess we'll just start off with the context and the origins of the Salem Witch, witch Trials. Um, so it says on history.com, belief in the supernatural and specifically in the devil's practice of giving certain humans, witches, uh, the power to harm others in return for their loyalty had in, uh, had emerged in Europe as early as the 14th century and was widespread in cl- colonial New England. In addition, the harsh realities of life in the rural Puritan community of Salem Village, present-day Danvers, Massachusetts, at the time included the aftereffects of a British war with France in the American colonies in 1689, and a recent smallpox epidemic, and fears of attacks from neighboring uh, native tribes, and a long-standing rivalry with the more affluent community of Salem Town, present-day actual Salem, what's called Salem, Today isn't the original Salem, the original colonial Salem. Anyway, uh, amid these simmering tensions, the Salem witch trials uh, would be fueled by residents' suspicions and uh, resentment towards their neighbors, as well as their fear of outsiders. Um, so I I seem to remember I th- I might have been uh, Paul Stamets um, on one of his interviews with Joe Rogan. Uh, he, he, I think it, it might've been his first, uh, interview on Joe Rogan. Uh, Paul, Paul Stamets is a mycologist, so he studies mushrooms and, um, he was, I, th- I believe he said, please don't quote me on this, but he, th- he thought, and I think he found some texts alluding to, um, you know, the witch's brew, uh, was actually um like a a healing compound that was probably psychoactive and it's possible that maybe somebody had a really bad experience um, based off of this uh, witch's brew and then it just kind of uh fear of witches kind of spread out from there uh, it's a really interesting thought um I wasn't able to find anything on it um just what what he referenced. So, so yeah, uh, moving on. Um, let's see. So in January, 1692, nine-year-old Elizabeth Paris and 11 year old girl, Abigail Williams, the daughter and niece of Samuel Paris, minister of Salem village began having fits, including violent, corn, uh, con- contortions <laughs> i swear i can talk and uncontrollable outbursts of screaming after a local doctor william griggs diagnosed uh, bewitchment other young girls in the community began to exhibit similar symptoms including ann uh, putnam uh, junior mercy lewis uh, elizabeth hubbard mary walcott and mary warren in late february arrest warrants were issued for the paris uh, for the Paris-Caribbean slave, uh, Tituba, Tit, Tituba, Tit, tu, Tituba, I think that's how you say his name, <laughs> uh, along with uh, two other women, the homeless beggar Sarah Good and the poor, uh, elderly Sarah Osborne, whom the girls accused of bewitching them. So, um, there, I guess there is this phenomenon where... Um, girls, because girls and women are very, uh, empathetic. Um, there's been, uh, some research done, um, I'm trying to blank on her name, but she did some research on, uh, trans, transgender, uh, studies and issues and things like that. How if one girl in a group of friends believes that she is really a boy, then all the other girls in that group, um, will believe it as well. We'll start thinking that they're boys too. And I remember, uh, reading about this in my psychology class, but it wasn't about, uh, transgender issues. It was about, um, Deborah Soh, Dr. Deborah Soh, that's her name. Uh, check her out. She's got some amazing research. Um, anyway, uh, but I remember reading about this, uh, this phenomenon, um, where if one girl in a group of friends uh, is uh, bulimic or anorexic, then all of her friends are way more likely to become uh, anorexic, so or have uh, some kind of eating disorder. So it kind this kind of sounds like that. I mean, maybe maybe I'm getting it wrong. I don't know, but it's just a thought. Um, and it also sounds like. Uh, some of these girls just they wanted somebody else to blame like to point the finger at somebody else and say they did it to me um so that their punishment wouldn't be so hard on them so snitches basically um next paragraph salem witch trials the hysteria spreads The three accused witches were brought before the magistrates Jonathan Corwin and John uh, Hathorn and questioned, even as their accusers appeared in the courtroom in a grand display of spasms, contortions, screaming, and writhing. through Good and Osborne, though Good and Osborne denied their guilt, uh, Tituba confessed, likely seeking to save herself from a certain conviction by acting as an informer. She claimed there were other witches acting alongside her in service of the devil against the Puritans. As hysteria spread through the community and beyond into the rest of Massachusetts, a number of others were accused, including Martha Corey, Rebecca Nurse, uh, both regarded as upstanding members of the church and community, and the four-year-old daughter of Sarah Good. Jeez. Even, even just a little girl was accused of being a witch. That's pretty, uh, (laughs) that's pretty hardcore. Um, okay, let's continue. Like, like Tatuba, several uh, accused witches confessed and named still others, and the trials soon began to overwhelm the local justice system. In May uh, 1692, the newly appointed governor of Massachusetts, uh, William Phipps, Phipps, a court uh, ordered the establishment of the special court of oyer uh which means to hear and terminer term terminer to decide so oyer and minor on the witches uh witchcraft cases of Suffolk Essex and Middlesex um counties he presided, um, presided over judges uh, including Hoth, Hathorne, Samuel Seawall, and William Stoughton. Uh, the court handed down its first conviction against Bridget Bishop. On June second, she was hanged. Eight days later, on what would become known as the Gallows Hill in Salem Town, five more people were hanged uh, that July. Five in August. Eight more in November or September, rather. In addition, seven uh, seven other accused witches died in jail while the elderly Giles Corey, Martha's husband, was pressed to, to death by stones after he refused to enter a plea at his arraignment. Jeez. Uh, so, I don't know, it sounds like either they crushed him with boulders or they just stoned him to death. Um, Man, that's hardcore. Uh, Next paragraph, Salem Witch Trials' conclusion and legacy through the respected minister Cotton Mather had warned of the dubious value of spectral evidence or testimony about dreams and visions. His concerns went largely unheeded during the Salem Witch Trials. Increase uh, Mather, president of Harvard College and Cotton's father, later joined his son, urging that the standards of evidence for witchcraft must be equal to those for any other crime, concluding that it would be better that ten suspected witches may escape than one innocent person be condemned. Amid waning public support for the trials, Governor Phipps dissolved the court of Oyer and Terminer in October and mandated that its successor uh, disregard spectral evidence trials continued with dwindling intensity until 1693 and by that may phipps had pardoned and released all those in prison oh and by that may so may of 1693 uh it looks like this judge had pardoned and released all these all these uh witchcraft uh people in january 1697 the massachusetts general court declared a day of fasting for the tragedy of the Salem witch trials. The court later deemed the trials unlawful, and the leading Justice Samuel Seawall publicly apologized for his role in the process. The damage done to the community lingered, however, even after Massachusetts colony passed legislation restoring the good names of the condemned and providing financial restitution to their heirs in 1711. Indeed, The vivid vivid and painful legacy of the Salem witch trials endured well into the 20th century when Arthur Miller dramatized the events of 1692 in his play The Crucible, which was produced in 1953, using them as an allegory for the anti-communist witch hunts led by Senator Joseph McCarthy in the 1950s. So, pretty interesting how... they were just able to people that it, it just sounded like people that didn't like, um, a certain person could just levy a could just put, you know, just accuse somebody of, um, putting them under a spell or, or saying that, you know, this person's a witch. They, they, uh, prayed in an evil way against me. And I don't know. I, it, it, like what the judge said that's just i mean you have to provide evidence if that is the case and thankfully we don't have any uh <laughs> witch trials or witch hunts today um because you know intent and in, in thinking harm about somebody is a lot different than actually harming somebody which is illegal um, so I did put a, pull up another, um, article on the origins of witches, and I'm not sure this will add anything more to it, but, um, uh, I was just kind of interested where, I don't know where the, where it all started, I guess. So, uh, on history.com, uh, the, uh, the origins of witches, uh, in this paragraph, it says early witches were people who practice witchcraft using magic spells and calling upon spirits for help or to bring about, uh, change. Most witches were thought of to be pagans doing the, the devil's work. Many, however, were simply natural healers or so-called wise women whose choice of profession was misunderstood. So it sounds like maybe Paul Stamets, uh, was correct in that manner that, um, that these could have been, like it says in this article, quote unquote, wise women or something like, uh, like, um, um, in certain native communities, uh, they call them, uh, medicine women or medicine men. So they're not necessarily out to do you harm. They're actually, uh, there to, to help you and to pray for you. And, and sometimes, you know, if they do have, some kind of herbal remedy for your sickness, then they'll give it to you with some, some instructions to follow. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've lit, well, I've lived on the Apache reservation for, I would say about 10 years. And, um, during that time I, uh, got to know, um, really well, a medicine man kind of took me under his wing and, um, really talked a lot about Apache traditions and, um, just Apache stories. And, um, we would go to, you know, the ceremonies called the uh, sunrise dances, and we'd be there all night. And, um, yeah, it was just from my perspective, coming from the outside and looking in, it looked like a really beautiful, you know, the ceremonies were just, just beautiful. I, d- I don't really see anything bad about them. So anyway, <laughs> kind of got off uh, uh, sidetracked there. So continuing on with this article, it's unclear exactly when witches came on the historical scene, but one of the earliest records of a witch is in the Bible, in the book of Samuel 1. I think that's how you say it thought to be written between 931 BC and 721 BC, tells the story of when King Saul sought the witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the Philistine army. Wow, that sounds like a movie. The witch roused Samuel, who then prophesied the death of Saul and his sons. The next day, according to the Bible, Saul's son died in battle, and Saul committed suicide. Wow. Other Old Testament verses condemn witches, uh, such as the oft-cited Exodus uh, 22.18, which says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Additional biblical passages uh, caution against divination, chanting, or using witches to contact the dead. Wow. So it looks like we, we... have a text that could reference that well I guess does reference um maybe that's why the Puritans in Salem were getting so out of hand is because of well Exodus twenty two eighteen. Uh the next paragraph Melaus Melficarim I don't know if I said that right. It's Latin. I'm not fluent in Latin, even though the podcast's name is in Latin. Uh, witch hysteria really took hold in Europe during the mid-1400s, when many accused witches confessed, often under torture, to a variety of wicked behaviors. Within a century, witch hunts were common, and most of the accused were executed by burning at the stake or hanging. Single women, widows, and other women on the margins of society were especially targeted. Between the years 1500 and 1600, up to 80,000 su- suspected witches were put to death in Europe. Jeez. I mean, it, it, that sounds like a giant number, but, you know, spread out over six, uh, 160 years. I don't know. What is that? Like a few thousand uh, witches a year? I think. I hope my math is right. <laughs> Uh, Around 80% of them were women, thought to be in cahoots with the devil and filled with lust. Germany had the highest witchcraft execution rate, while Ireland had the lowest. The publication of uh, Maleficarum, written by two uh, well-respected German-Dominicans in 1486, likely spurred witch uh, mania to go viral. The book, usually translated as The Hammer of Witches, was essentially a guide on how to identify, hunt, and interrogate witches. Maleus Maleficarum labeled witches as hearsay and quickly became the authority for Protestants and Catholics trying to flesh out witches living amongst them. For more than a hundred years, the book sold more copies of any other book in Europe except the Bible. Okay. And, uh, then it goes on to talk about the Salem witch trials and, uh, let's see. It does ask "Are our are witches real. Um, let's see. Yeah, I guess we could read that. One of the most famous witches in Virginia's history is Grace Sherwood, whose neighbors alleged that she killed their pigs and hexed their cotton. Other accusations followed, and Sherwood was brought to trial in 1706. The court decided to use a controversial water test uh, to determine her guilt or innocence. Sherwood's arms and legs were bound, and she was thrown into a body of water. It was thought of, that if she sank, <laughs> she was innocent. If she floated, she was guilty. Sherwood didn't sink and was convicted of being a witch. Wow. Wow. She wasn't killed, but she was put in prison for eight years. A satirical ar- article, supposedly written by Benjamin Franklin about a witch trial in New Jersey, was published in 1730 in the Pennsylvania Gazette. It brought to light the ridiculousness of some witchcraft accusations. It wasn't long before witch mania died down in the no- New World, and laws were passed to help protect people from being wrongly accused and convicted. Uh, next paragraph says the book of shadows. Well, I guess we should, I guess I should discuss that a little bit. It almost sounds like, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Monty, Monty Python, but how they were trying to convict the witch. I mean, it really does sound that ridiculous where, you know, if she sank to the bottom, then she was innocent, but then she would also be dead. Or, I mean, did somebody jump in after her and rescue this you know, not which person? I don't know. Or did they just let her die and drown? <laughs> wow. I am so glad I live in the time that I do now. Uh, Modern-day witches of the Western world still, uh, still struggled to shake their historical stereotype. Most practice Wicca, an official religion in the United States and Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh... One of my friends, I guess, identified as Wiccan. I don't know. <laughs> I always thought that the uh, crystals and stuff was uh, a bit ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that's probably about it. So, very interesting. I'm very glad that Sarah, my ancestor, Sarah Davis, was able to, uh, her husband was able to bail her out of jail. And, um, you know, they, they, basically forgave her for not being a witch. So very cool, very cool little piece of history that uh, apparently my family was involved in, in Salem, Massachusetts. I remember reading about this in school and, and just being, I don't know, uh, curious about it and just wondering how did it get so out of hand? Um, I mean, I mean, even a, a little girl was convicted. And it sounds like that little girl probably died from hanging or some other really gruesome way to go. Um, and I do, well, you know, the Puritans, they were pretty hardcore Christians. I remember reading uh, the Scarlet Letter in high school. Hated every minute of it. But I kind of understand um, where... I guess culturally the Puritans um, were coming from, you know, it was just this strict adherence to uh, God and Christianity and anything else was pretty much witchcraft or, you know, the work of the devil. So yeah, I think that's all I have for you guys this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, next week, Um, we'll probably go over the Stuarts. Um, there's some pretty famous Stuarts in, uh, there's like, oh geez, there's like seven different Stuart lines in my family, seven or eight, something like that. So I kind of like to start, you know, get, uh, start, you know, doing a series about Clan Stuart. So look forward to that next week. And as always, you can find this podcast on pretty much uh, any anywhere a podcast can be sold or consumed for free. Um, yeah, if uh, you're on iTunes, please uh, give this a five-star review and give it a nice little write-up. That would help me out so much. And uh, yeah, I love you guys. Bye!